Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chat TV. Going to be with you. As always, appreciate you joining us. Don't forget to like and subscribe to War Chant TV if that's where you're listening. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Helps others find the show. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. There's Director Matthew. Roll it on, Big River. Tom, I have a confession to make. I uh, I fell asleep in overtime. How? It lasted 90 seconds. I did. At, I was barely hanging on as they were starting overtime. And this is funny. It'll just make you laugh. So, you know how I've told you before, my wife gets furious if I watch games. Well, not furious. She doesn't like it if we go to bed at the same time and I'm watching a game while she's trying to go to sleep. It's not that she needs my attention. It's that she doesn't like the sound of the television and the white, you know? Well, and hockey's the worst for that. Oh, so bright with the white. Yeah, 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 the whole thing. So, but I told her, I was like, look, I'm tired. I'm going to watch the end. I watched all three periods out on the on the glorious big screen. And then I was like, I'm going to watch the rest in the back with you. She's like, no, no, let me get to bed first. Let me go to sleep before you come back here. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to get back there before the start of overtime. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> so, That's uh, not a real reason. No, Nonsense. No, 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 Move over. Yeah, yeah, So I'm like, no, you want, but she cares. I'm like, you care? Come on. She goes, I don't want to be up this late. I'm tired. I'm like, yeah, I didn't want overtime either. But here we are. It's the Stanley Cup Finals. What are you going to do? And this is ridiculous. No drinks, no beer, nothing. Zero alcohol. And I, I lay down, flip on the, you know, I'm ready for the overtime to start. They're a little bit, there's another commercial. I, I didn't realize there was another set of commercials coming. I thought we were getting started. I thought I had timed it right. I fell asleep. As they so. Well, here's why I woke up. To the sound of, to the sound of yeah. Colorado fans going nuts. I was yeah. like, ooh, what a. Oh, damn it. And yeah. then I just turned it off and rolled over, and I got up this morning early and watched the the you know the 90 seconds. Yeah. Well, now that I know who to blame, I feel better about the proceedings. That's yeah. good. Yeah. McDonough had a good call. He did. He it got was, it right. It, I was like, oh, that's a good call. That's well done, call. Sean. Click. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it, was, it was a toughie because um, – Well, look, it, man, if you don't start the game half asleep in the net, you probably win. Well, I was just uh, – relative to overtime, just to fill you in on how it went in those 90 seconds – they had the 30 seconds remaining on the power play. It was a disaster of a start. They mm-hmm. had immediate zone time. And I'm like, holy God, it's going to go 20 seconds. This thing's over because they had two point-blank yeah. chances. We go down the other side. We have a point-blank or two. And then a couple of bounces in a bad well, play. Turn over the, the neutral middle. zone and then there that's you a, go. That's a toughie on 98. It's just it's a bouncing puck. You're just trying to get it out of dodge and it goes you know, right to an avalanche. So Yeah. That's unfortunate. That's a toughie. I'm not I'm worried little, about it. I'm a little worried about the series that looked a little different, but Saturday will be the tale. It, we could even lose Saturday, but if, How if do we, we look play? better. And, you know, and, yeah. we've yeah. watched this, man. They have been amazing. They have done a good job of adjusting to whatever it is that they weren't anticipating. And then, I mean, we lost 6-2 to two to the Rangers in Game 1. That's correct. And, but- then I, and, and, and by the way, all, all networks have to stop this. It is the uh, internet... 
internetization of, of commentary, right? When a game ends, and it's a seven-game series, could be the NBA, which is back on tonight, and if Boston could avoid t- turning the basketball over 35 times in a game, they might win one of these and force game seven. Uh, but when a game ends, it is not required of your experts, your analysts, your former players, or anybody else to immediately then make grandiose statements about what it means for game two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Don't do that. Don't do that. Not when you have evidence from the series before that six to two mattered. Not at all. Right. I'll get. I'll do you one better. I mean, the Lightning just rolled out there and steamrolled the Rangers once they figured it out. Sure. Defensively. Yes. Okay. So six to two had no bearing, like none, other than the adjustments that allowed the Lightning to make. Weeks and this other guy are like, well, that that's a huge win for Colorado. If they don't win that game. They're not going to win this series. You don't know. I get that it's important. Yeah, that for might Colorado. be true. Well, because they've got their own internal mental demons. Correct. Of blowing, you know, real good chances to win games, win series, win cups. I get it, but you need to emphasize that it's all psychological at that point. You can't yep. tell me that there won't game one to game two in any series. You see massive adjustments by both teams always. Right, and and our staff even says we don't like game ones because we don't have anything to adjust to. So I, I understand that. And look, and Toronto, had us, the first. Toronto had us on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Florida series really was, we were better twice. It was a coin flip game once, and we were worse once, but we won all four. And then the Rangers had us on the ropes. We're down 2 nothing in game three. So, yes, I understand all those. All I'm saying is shift for shift, Colorado is very much the most talented group that we've seen so far. That's just true. Yeah, I also don't think Vassy's going to give up two soft-ass goals like he gave up in the first period. I know they gave up three total, but two were just ridiculous. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to happen because that guy looks like he did when he had time off the last time we played right, a game right. one. And you're like, what? Which you, is what I texted you. Yeah, I said, yeah, no more time off for that no, guy. You simulate games. You call up the Rangers and say, hey, you want some extra money? <laughs> come on in here. Just come on go. in. Let's play yeah. a game on Monday. We yeah. don't have a series till Wednesday. No, it's interesting. It is interesting. And we'll, uh, I'm not saying – I mean, look, Colorado may win the series. They might. I just don't need the analysts to come on afterwards and be prisoners of the moment and emotional. You're like, right. what are you doing? The one you do- thing, Did you not watch the other series? Even down 2-0 to the Rangers in that series, though, I didn't feel as though the opportunity was gone because you can't win four out of the next five because we won next four in a row. We won four in a row. The margin here is a little bit slimmer. I'm not saying you got to win game two. I'm just saying you've got to look a whole hell of a lot better because if you make turnovers against that crew, oh, yeah, they are yeah, fast they're as can fast. be. Yeah, no, I give them credit. I like that team. I think they're a good team. I, you know, I, I I don't feel any differently than I did going into the series. I don't think that I I, I, I – No, it was overtime intermission. Like, man, you kill off these 30 seconds and you walk out of this game with a win? Oh, man, this, yeah. this bad boy might be over in five. Yeah, the two goals in 48 seconds were cool. Yeah. You're like, bump. Well, there's well, that resolve. That was thanks to me. After the first period, I was awake for those two, so I get a little, <laughs> a little bit, yes. But after the first period, I said, you know what? I just need a glass of wine. So I opened up a bottle of Stefano de Blasi Chianti. Oh, hey! And there we go. And then from then on, it was uh, the wine rally, and it wasn't enough in overtime, though. Unfortunately, should open another bottle. Uh, the second bottle was open. Okay, there we go. Yeah, it was spread around though. It wasn't just me. It's funny when it comes to wine. You open a bottle of wine. I never uh, judge anybody. They polish off a bottle of wine. That's not a lot. It's not a lot. I mean, it's considered uh, cuisine and, and food in a lot of cultures. <laughs> it makes me laugh, though, because like, it happens very easily. Yeah, like, I don't know about you, but I have 
big glasses of wine. Yeah. I'm not yeah. doing some soft-ass little, yeah, because you're sipping it and enjoying it, and you let it breathe. You there are different the pouring sounds yeah. depending upon the person. There's a, <laughs> and then there's a, <laughs> right, right. So anyhow, what makes me laugh about that is uh, when you go back in there to get that third glass of wine, just your third glass, just a mm-hmm. third glass, privacy your own home, the third glass is the last glass. You're polishing off the bottle at that right, point. Right. That is it. I had help in this case. So it wasn't um, because the second bottle I only got a little bit into for overtime. So it's it's sitting there. It's waiting. But it wasn't a bad night. It wasn't something where you wake up and go, oh, too much wine. No. It was, no. we. You know what? That kind of worked. So we got to start the game with the wine next time, and that'll be Saturday's plan. There you go. I like you got a game plan. I, I like that you got a game. The Blasi. Well, playing, and yeah. if yeah, and if it's a Saturday, I don't fall asleep then. I'll be fine. I'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah. Weekdays, yeah. I've been getting up at butt o'clock to get my kid to marine biology camp and art camp at FSU, and so it's like, man, I need my rest, Tom. <laughs> got things going on. You're welcome to come over to the house on Saturday. Maybe that's. I'll what open it is. up the wine. Let's go. Let's go. I like. If we win though, so. then you're you're committed for well, Monday, it. Wednesday, that's and Friday it. of next that's week. It. That's it. I'll be at your house every night. Jamie's gonna be like again with Jeff. What is? Why is he on our couch again watching this game? <laughs> I like Jeff, but Jesus. The Chase Lounge is supposed to be mine, Tom. Three times in three in four days. Oh, there's the camera seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come through the door with a glass in my hand. Like, all right, let's pour them. Let's go, Bolts. Get out of the camera seat, Jamie. That's Jamie, mine. Come on, That's where my, I sat on my Saturday. Butt cheeks, my butt cheeks right there. Look at it. She won't be in town on Saturday, so you could take the Chase Lounge. <laughs> Update from the U.S. Open. Uh, a nice mix of a world-renowned elite players near the top of the leaderboard, if not tied at the top of the leaderboard, and a whole bunch of bums. That's what we got. The juxtaposition of greatness and bums. It's all relative. If you're playing in the U.S. Open, you're a great player. But come on now. When you turn on the tube today and you see Joel Dahman, David Lingberth, and Callum Terran, you're thinking, what in the world are we doing here? But But then you look a little closer and you go, oh, there's Rory McIlroy. There's John Rahm. There's Colin Morikawa. There's the once great Adam Scott. There's Max Homa and Will Zalatoris. Just something inside baseball for you, meaning uh, golf. If you ever have to have the head of the USGA on, be ready. Do you see that guy's presser yesterday? It's like Jimbo on a Monday, and he's Jimbo is special Jimbo. Yeah, no, I remember. Michael yeah. Wan? I saw it. Whew. Oh, man, take a breath. You just don't have to be that fired up. Show some patience, some even temperament. Right. And he came out with a joke about himself, but if you're going to do that, then don't become the thing you're joking about. He says, I'm the most caffeinated person in the room. Okay, so here we go. I've got some plans for the USGA. Oh, okay. We're an unbelievable organization here. It's my first year at the USGA. Pardon me if I'm a little fired up for this. 20 minutes later, he handed it off to the next... 20 minutes! Yeah. Well, look... um, USGA could be interesting. That could be they could make some decisions that change all of this, like big time. Like if if, if you're not getting any points for your other events, then we've solved the problem. Right. Yeah. I think that's the route they're going to go too. By the way, it's looking more and more. It like sounds that. like it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where they're headed. Do you? Th- I have a question for you. We were talking about Clemson last hour. We were talking about the schedule, and we kind of got into. I-, I believe. Now, listen. We all know that the Louis- if you had to pick a singular game that you believe to be the biggest, as it portends of the the, the season to be uh, post uh, September the 15th, 16th. It's Louisville. I think we're all going to agree it's Louisville. It's not LSU. It's Louisville. Yes. Okay. Especially since you have extra time for that game. You've got a bye week. Yeah. 
You better come you out. Better swinging. be ready. You better come out swinging, man. You better look good. Go win that game. ESPN, seven o'clock. Nation watching. Not much else on. Let's go. Like if you treated that, let's say you're Mike and you circle mm. that one yourself and you say, "This is the one." You couldn't have a better schedule leading up to it. You've got a tune-up with Duquesne, a real deal opponent about the same as you, maybe a little bit better in the Probably trenches in LSU. Then you've got a buy. So you can do a reset after two weeks. What is working, what is not. Opponent-specific game plans for a full week. I mean, my God. Well, it's a big week for Adam Fuller because last year when we played Louisville, uh, there's this great debate amongst Florida State fans. And it's a fair debate, actually. I think you can argue both ways. I argue on the side of they made some adjustments. The game was not totally in hand yet the way that some people believe it to be, uh, especially because at some point you cut it down to, I believe, 11 in the third quarter or something less than that. Um, so, so the point would be... We had the ball down eight, I think. Yeah, I think we had a one-possession game at one point. But anyhow, the, the, the point would be, I, th- I think they did figure out some things. Even if, if just about themselves, uh, they figured out they were going to require fewer people to do fewer things. We, we, we need to make this less convoluted, okay? And move some guys into some bots and say, okay, here's, here's what you're going to do, all right? We're going to simplify this. And then that allowed them to play downhill and be physical, and they were a lot more physical in the second half. And then you just basically saw a team that was better on defense the rest of the way, second half Louisville game. That game, though, lest we forget, began as a travesty. It was an embarrassment. Anything Louisville wanted, they got, and there was nobody in the picture. Now, we were at the game, but I'm saying if you weren't, if you weren't at the game and you were watching on television, you couldn't see Florida State guys on your television as other dudes, namely that receiver, is running free. So that that was awful. So Adam will have to have this group ready to roll. Yeah, because that's, gonna, that's, that's 0 for 2 against Louisville. I know it is. Oh, man. So you're going to have to see this team come out and look good defensively. It's the only shot you have. Look, at the end of the day, I think this defense is going to be better early. Are they going to be better than they were late last year? Probably not because you don't have Jermaine Johnson. But can you start the year with a baseline of being much better than you were? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think they're better on the back end and they're better at linebacker. So that's huge. And they're fine in the interior. Yeah, we had a, a listener ask this question on social media a couple weeks ago because we were talking about like the old school way of lining up the defensive backfield, two corners, two defensive backs. But in truth, since you're playing so much nickel, it, mm-hmm. it bears repeating and, and maybe tweaking a little bit. You know your two safeties. Robinson and Dent. Yep. You like them, especially with the way they played at the yes, end of the season. Yes, very much so. You've got Duke Cooper on one side. Yep. You like him. You don't know who your other corner Outside is going to corner. be. Outside corner. You don't know, and it could be Kevin Knowles, and, and we like him, but right. we, but he hasn't shown that he can do that specifically yet. It's what Coach Woodson would like him to do so they right. can play a more physical player like a Vance or somebody else in the slot, but whatever. Knowles is going to be in your five-man defensive back rotation, and he's one of your f- top four guys. Yep. So you, you've got one question mark. That's it. Last year in the defensive backfield, you had four question marks? It was like Jamie Robinson was a good player. Akeem Dent was not reliable. Like, if you're talking about that same point in the calendar, September, Akeem Dent not reliable at all. Travis Day, no. What the hell is that? That's not working. Jerrion Jones, get minced meat. Brownlee can get beat over the top. You are much, much better at the defensive backfield to start this season. And Tatum Bethune in the middle now. You're starting to anchor this thing. Travis Day had a better camp than anybody would have guessed. Meaning this past spring? Yep. Yeah, agreed. But I'm, again, yep. I don't know that he's going to be in a conversation for outside corner. Just trending in a good direction. I think with him, it's a matter of confidence. He could never find the ball. He got beat often because he couldn't find the ball. He would be in position. He just never made a play on the ball. 
I'm not telling you Travis J is the guy slated to win that job. I am saying he is one of the most athletic individuals on this team. He is one of the best athletes on this team. Period. Anybody name any the, the list is short of people that are more athletic and lengthy than Travis J. Can you imagine every once in a while where teams make quantum leaps that we don't expect or they do something that nobody predicted? It's because typically somebody emerged that they could not have predicted by previous behavior or play, and they emerge and become the person that they had hoped they'd be when they were recruiting them, right? So you'll see a guy, oh, he's, he's in his fourth year, even though he's a junior, and this is a guy they've been frustrated with, but through five games, he's having a great season. He's become a dependable. You hear that all the right, time right. when you're watching games and you're flipping around. You're like, what's behind so-and-so's good start? Yeah. Usually it's they're injury-free, for starters. Secondly, somebody who hasn't played well but they desperately needed to step up does, does. Travis Jay's a guy that they've never really gotten anything out of. And we've all watched at various points and moments in his career, even on the field in a game where you go, like there was that one interception two years ago. Mm -hmm. Look at that guy. Jeez. I mean, he's just soaring. He was like, you know, Patrick Williams soaring for a rebound on one of those catches. It it, it happens, but I I don't know that it'll happen, but they need somebody to do something like that. Somebody who's capable but lacks the confidence because they haven't had success to turn the corner. Or an incredibly quick development like an AZ Thomas. That's fair. That's completely fair. I I think he would be quicker to be an outside corner candidate than Travis Jay. But here's an interesting scenario. If you move Travis Jay and you're able to put Knowles out. Yes. yes. If Knowles plays outside and you could experiment with Jay over the middle, then you have Jamie Robinson and Jay near the line of scrimmage. Yeah, buddy. That could get fun but i mean he's got so many names to climb over now that he does i'm just saying i'm just saying his attitude was so good his work ethic was so good in the spring and he had moments where he played really well most importantly he played well and so i thought all right well i about wrote you off but okay maybe we shouldn't and you're athletic enough that if you gain a little confidence and you make a few plays who knows i didn't see enough from him however i was looking in the trenches most most of camp so there, there is a limitation there We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, we'll I'm see not, if they continue. I'll ask Coach Woodson because he was my one-on-one interview in spring. I'll see if I can get him again in fall. Maybe Ira will let me have that one. But I, I want to ask him, is that still a, a consideration for Knowles to play him outside? Or what happened in spring is enough for you to say, you know what, let's just line him up in the slot and let's commit to that moving forward. Actually, Fuller would be another guy to ask that question as well. But if they keep the door open for Kevin Knowles to play outside, then maybe – a guy like Travis J enters the conversation quicker. I just don't think you're going to put him on an island out there because last year j- just didn't work. No, I agree with you. I, I, I'm not trying to make the case for him to be outside. I'm just giving you an individual whose talents have not been realized. I'm not blaming that all on coaches. Some of that's on Travis J. Most of it's on Travis J. But I just would like to see that kid become the player that his athleticism suggests he should be. Who was it that fixed Auden Tate would be my question. Because remember early in Tate's career, he wouldn't yeah. go up and get the ball. He'd never high point anything. And then timing was terrible. The switch flipped, to your point. Now, this yeah. is offense, I grant you. But that's the same thing that needs to happen to Travis J. He's in yeah. position an awful lot. He was always in position. He just never – no, you weren't he looking up. He needs the inverse McFadden experience. That's correct. You weren't looking at him going, why are you 25 yards behind that receiver? Right. He was usually in their hip pocket. He just never made the play. Right. It drove me nuts because the the hard part is staying with 
the receiver is to have blanket coverage. That's hard to do. As old as football, everybody knows this, but the offensive player knows where he's going. Right. It's very difficult to play defense. Finish the play. You've got to flip your hips and get in that pocket and go. You got to have the requisite speed and strength and size and change of direction. You got to have a football IQ to pattern read. You got to do all these things. And if you're in a position when the ball is in the air that it becomes a one on one, you just got to win some of those. And your reward for being in position is to make that play. It's really hard to be in position. And guys fight like hell to be in position. Now all you got to do if you are in position and the ball is coming your way and you're reading the eyes of the receiver and you realize that that's your time to shine, baby. Now you get to go make a play. You got to think, you got to get nasty. Like in your mind, that has to be, I can't say what I would think. Like I, 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 put guys in categories in my mind and I players do this right when you're competing and it's you know this is it's not you're not walking around in a business in a society so you can think what you, you'd have to think yeah I got a rag to all this guy yes yes proverbially speaking correct I got to treat this guy with zero respect it's a physical game after all I got to make a play there is a there's a tone going to be set out here today so so fair to say, though, at the end of the discussion, that he's a wild card. You're oh, not. You're not. You're not saying inside track because I like what he did in spring. You're no, saying wild no, card. No, and and you know he's just a guy that if Florida State has a surprise season, if Florida State wins, you know, nine games, and we're looking back on a nine and three regular season, and we ask ourselves why. Well, you're going to start with the fact that if they were to win nine games, Jordan Travis played well and stayed healthy. That'd be the first thing I'd tell you. What a nine-win season means is that Jordan Travis stayed healthy and played well. Now, you start drawing other conclusions about a nine-win season. What else had to happen? Well, I think if you're going to extrapolate all of this out, I just led with Jordan Travis having a good year. Who was he throwing to? Probably Micah Pittman. Probably Micah Pittman had a big season. Yeah. Trey Benson ran the ball with authority, caught the ball to the backfield. You hit on at least two of the offensive line transfers, at least two. And your candidates are Lyles, Harris, and Emmanuel. Yeah. So at least two of them have been good players. Well, I think it's probably important that, uh, you know, Harris and, 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 and Lyles played well. You know, I think that's fair. But where else would you go to tell the story of a nine-win season? Jared Verse was solid. And then who are your surprises? Well, okay, before I get to them, I would tell you that the other thing that had to have happened is Tatum Bethune had to have come in and had the kind of season, the productivity that he had at UCF, he's having here. He's a sideline-to-sideline guy, making a ton of tackles, over 100 tackles, let's say, and he is uh, he's a leader that we think he can be. Uh, and he obviously would have had to stay healthy. All right, so there's that. Maybe Amari Gaynor took a step forward. Had a good spring? Showed some signs too at the end of fall. That's a that's now a trend. Yes. Okay. All right. And then I'm saying I'm getting to a lot of places before I'm getting to Travis J to answer your question. You know, I'm getting a lot of places before I'm getting to Travis J. Glad I didn't submit my top forty list. Forgot about Amari. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't either. Thank you. I got to do that this evening. But um, you know, you're looking at guys like that. I mean, Deloach is going to have a good year. I think he is. Uh, he had a good year last year, frankly. Very good year, actually. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think one thing that I would note, and I know we got a break, I do think that um, 
kind of hidden in all of this is Joshua Farmer has to have a good year. In the interior rotation? I think he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to play well for the snaps he's given. Yeah. He, he, yeah. I think he'll be a good— well, like look, it's Lovett and Cooper are more important. I'm right. not telling you that. No, you've so. got a top three, too, and Ray's going to be good. Then it's Farmer-Jackson. You know, that, that's— Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, they have to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. those guys get winded, man. It's hot. Yeah. Yes. They're fat. We got we got to move them around. You know, got to get some dudes in these, there. These are facts. Yes. <laughs> Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply remember back in the day the way station on I-10 stories with uh, Waylon and uh, those guys that I used to talk about on the Jeff Cameron Show. I had to be educated about that. I never heard it in real time, but when you would bring up Waylon, you, you explained it to me once, and I was, oh, was really awesome. enthused. No, the guy was great. He was uh, steady making bust, busts. He uh, So what, uh, let's take a look inside that them there tomatoes. I think something's up. So he would he would find cocaine. In places that you never thought. I mean, like they'd open up these trucks on I-10 at the way station over by Live Oak uh, or Lake City, and um, invariably he'd just have a hunch. This one guy was responsible for but Now, his name really wasn't Whalen. I made that up. But this guy who, who was the head of that way station, he had an eagle eye because they were forever catching people. It'd be a computer, like a shipment of computers. I don't think those are computers. That's right. Take them out. Take them out. Are you telling me it weighs exactly the same as it did <laughs> last time? Mm-mm, something yeah, wrong. He would always know. Something's wrong. It was remarkable. And so I saw a story today that cracked me up. There was a story of uh, uh, police who uncovered uh, cocaine that had been, um, it, was, it was disguised as a shipment of potatoes and yucca. Oh, of course. So potatoes and yucca, and when they showed the picture of uh, what they seized, like now when you open this truck, th- there's just crates of potatoes and yucca. Mm-hmm. My man wasn't having it. Gustavo Fring. He was not. <laughs> that's correct. He wasn't buying it. He took a good look at those taters, said, I don't think so. Whatever do you mean? These are just potatoes. I don't think that's true. What did you say your name was? <laughs> so they took the potatoes out, and they began to chip away, just cut away a little bit. Turned out that the skin on the outside was potato, but the substance of the potato was balls of cocaine. Oh, so they hollowed out the potatoes. They hollowed out potatoes <laughs> and stuffed them with cocaine, <laughs> and then they froze them. The lengths to which <laughs> It sounds like Dublin in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, that is impressive. 
A, drug dealers, you just got to give them credit. You really do. Like, they, my man is tired of having his stuff seized. He's like, look here, man. Too much. Now, there's a certain, I bake in a certain amount of lost inventory every year. I get that we're not always going to make it. Some of you are going to get pulled over. God forbid if you're in Lake City and Wayland gets you, we're not going to get away with it. But most of you are going to get through. We're going to be all right. But I've devised what I think is an ingenious plan. Now, it's going to be a lot of work. A lot of work. I have no illusions about how much time this is going to take. We've got 700 pounds of cocaine right over here. My plan, Mary, Lisa, Sarah, John, you guys are going to peel these potatoes all night if you have to, frankly. But I need you to keep the skin as whole as possible. Cut them like you do, like a hard-boiled egg. Don't crack all the egg. Just get just get the shells where they're cracked a little bit. you got to leave them out a little while. If you do it when they're too cold, it doesn't work. You leave them out a little while. You just one-time it. Let's not triple down on the, on the popping of the egg. Just one-time it. Then you can keep the shell firmly intact for the most part. Now, these potatoes, we're just doing a, 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 a counterclockwise or a clockwise, whatever works for you. Uh, John, you've done it. I've seen you do it. You just now you're just gonna skin a little bit here. You're gonna skin. Now we're gonna keep that rolling. You gotta twist your hand. You gotta twist your hand. That way you're not having to keep keep doing the thing over. We're not raking the thing like we would if we were actually eating the potatoes. By the way, guys, we're not eating the potatoes. None of us are eating the potatoes. Okay? That's not what we're doing here. Anyhow, so once you get the skin and you get it all off right there, now you keep that skin. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and put those skins over here. Now that now we're all right. Now we got skins. You're going to hollow out the potato now. All that's left is the tater itself. Now, we need a little shell of tater. Now, you're going to hollow this out. Hollow. Now, you're going to stuff it full of cocaine. The cocaine's over there. You guys are going to stuff these potatoes with cocaine. And then we're going to put the skins back on them, and we're going to freeze them. That's, way, that's how they adhere. That's how they adhere. So now we've got this thing. We've got a, we got a cocaine potato, kids. we got a cocaine potato. This is going to work. And then we're going to stuff them in the truck. And it's arduous, but I'm tired of my cocaine being seized. So now we're going to have these crates full of, and who's going to think to look inside a potato that looks like, because it is, potato skin. Then they, even if they peel the skin, they see real potato because we were careful, because we were careful. We didn't break it all up. Now they're never going to know. Imagine, you know, he's like lamenting in prison I thought I had it, but much to my chagrin, they got us again. Somebody thought that these potatoes were made of cocaine. They were right. And here I am. Two things. I think, number one, if you're in that position as the lord of these drugs, mm. you want drivers that don't know what they're hauling. Correct. Because then it's plausible deniability. You want them to believe yes. wholeheartedly that they're shipping potatoes. Correct. You want them incredulous. Mm-hmm. Not because you're, you know, protecting them. They're probably still going to jail. Yeah. But you want them to believe. Uh, what? what? And These potatoes are cocaine. Right. What right. in the world? They look like potatoes. You're going to get yes. the driver back in the truck more times if they don't have a guilty conscience. Yeah. Right? So I that's number one. I could never do this. Like, even if I wanted to. Like, if, they, if somebody had approached me at a vulnerable period in my life and said, Jeff, if you can ship these potatoes... <laughs> From Miami? Trust me, they're just potatoes. <laughs> oh, gotcha. 
I'm not asking Why do you keep telling me that they're Why? potatoes? You repeated yourself four times, Steve. Why are you sweating? It's ridiculous. Are they potatoes or what? Yes, they're potatoes. Okay, I got you. Anyhow, we're going to Atlanta. All right, I'm going from Miami to Atlanta. Got it. It's a long drive. I'll get plenty of rest. You do that, Jeff. I will. I would If I knew it was cocaine, I'd, that'd be it. I'd get pulled over. You know why I pulled you over? The cocaine! You pulled me over because of the cocaine, didn't you? So the second thing I'll ask is I need you to rate percentage chance mm. I was behind a criminal on the road. Mm. Because on Sunday, returning home, went north of Tampa, cut over on Bears to get to the Sun Coast. It's just a much easier drive, especially you're rolling the dice on 75 and 10 on a Sunday. So I'm going up Pinellas County all the way through on the Sun Coast. And around, I don't know, Chiefland, about a two-hour drive away, there is a budget rental truck. Mm. That is on the road with me. Now, this budget truck is covered in dirt and sand. It is going 75 to 80 miles an hour. Usually they have a governor on them, so he must have removed the governor. You right. Know, yeah, yeah. That's another piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a it's a moving. I mean, it's yeah. probably between 70 and 75. i pull that guy over immediately. If you've got an 80, 80 mile per hour. Uh, uh, it's know. 75 probably. It's yeah. 65. So he's going 10 over. I was going maybe 7 or 8. So I'm, I'm with him mm-hmm. back and forth mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the better part of two hours. And there is just dirt and sand coming off of every part of this truck. Every part of it. The top, the sides, the whole way. Off-roading. And he turns towards chairs, which is the turn off I-10. Good old chairs. And he is hauling down chairs towards I-10 as I turn off on Buck Lake. What is the percentage chance that that truck that is covered in dirt and can go over the governor's Filth, speed? I tell you. 45% chance? Yeah, probably, but I I mean, see, this is, again, the problem. If you are hauling cocaine or any other drug, for that matter- I'm not or, saying the dirt was drugs. I'm just saying, what the hell? Yeah, like, how does on? a whole truck get we covered in- We beat the hell out of this thing. Yeah, we were in the middle of the woods loading stuff up. That's what yeah. I'm saying. No, I got you, but what I'm saying is, like, that guy stood out to you. That's not the deal, man. If you're a guy who's doing that, you got to- you gotta wash that truck. I'm saying it's low level. You gotta wash that truck. It's a low level, mm. clearly. Yeah, he's person. dumb. He's dumb. He's drawing attention to himself. But they also did not take seventy five and ten. Right. They They're took the other way. The yeah, take it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I think you're better off in that situation if you got a U haul. You know, if it's standard dirty, whatever. But if it's like filthy because you had to go off into the woods to get your stuff, then you know you got to clean that thing up. Because you're already drawing attention. You go the speed limit because cops know those things have governors on them as well. Right, right. So you really can't do but more than two miles per hour over the speed limit. If I got behind him for any stretch, too, you'd hear it on the windshield. Because the sand and dirt's coming off. For, I mean, hours. (laughs) Where are you with a rental truck that you have that on it? That is absurd. Well, this guy thought he could solve for the future by stuffing cocaine into potatoes. But alas, he could not. He has been cut. Yuka didn't work either. We'll come back and solve for the real future in a moment here from our friends at ISF. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Uh, you shouldn't still be trying to get your pool in shape, but if you are, there's nothing wrong with asking for a little help from Terry's Pool Service. I assume your, your pool is in good shape, Tom, right? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Excellent shape. I was going to go for a dip the other day, and then uh, the storm from hell came from the north. It's probably hot. Oh, I'm sure it's a... The pool is a little warm. That that storm cooled it off. Oh, good. Nice. Uh, Summer is here, and your family wants to get in the damn pool. 
All right, that's what they want to do. And so you got to get that thing together. Can't have green water, yellow pollen, collection of all that other stuff in the corner. Grosses everybody out. But if you do need help, if that's the situation you find yourself in, all is not lost. You can get that help fast. Call Terry's Pool Service. They'll save your pool. Check them out at terryspools.net. That's terryspools.net. Or you can just give them a call, 850-580-7334, because you never know when you'll need Terry's Pools. But if you have the yellow in your pool, you need them. Yeah, you'll know it. You know, right then and there. Update uh, as we solve for the future here from our friends at ISF. I'll update you on the U.S. Open. This is a straightforward one since this has been the topic du jour uh, as of late, but I think they have kind of figured this thing out, Tom. We alluded to it earlier. Uh, before I I go down that road, I do want to remind everybody about ISF. They understand as a strategy firm, an IT strategy firm, with over 80 unique clients served on over 1,500 projects all over the country, even though they're located right here in Tallahassee, Florida. They've seen it all. And they have partnered with their clients, uh, many of whom are in-state government, and, and they get it. You have a vision. You want to do amazing things. There are unique challenges that are inherent uh, in government operations. We all know that. And that's where ISF comes in. And they help state governments solve the future through strategy, process, and technology. Uh, it's a key component to what they do in that order. And uh, you and your staff, you work hard. You should be rewarded. Your constituents depend on you. They know that. Let's get those processed uh, brilliant ideas out there. Streamline that process. Streamline those workflows and get the new technologies working uh, to your benefit. Go find out what ISF can do for you, isf.com. You'll come away very impressed. Uh, We've been fretting. I'm a golf fan. I work a little bit in the golf industry. I love the sport. It's become, you know, something that I watch every weekend. I care deeply that it succeed. I, I like the history of the game. And what's happened with Live Golf versus the PGA Tour, if you will, and getting away from the arguments as to whether or not uh, the blood money that Phil Mickelson and uh, Dustin Johnson, Kevin Na, and others have taken uh, is, is, you know, something that's a bridge too far for you. I, I'm staying away from that argument for now. Uh, obviously, you guys have heard my opinion about this, and, and you've heard Tom's, and, and everybody's in between, because there's, it, is, it is a complex situation, very complex situation. But if you, if you want just to see, not because you care so much about the PGA as an entity, right? Like, if you just want to see the history of the game and the players competing in a way that allows for there to be a fair comparison in careers, right? Fans, we like to do that. Like, it's something for us in the NBA. Tonight, the NBA Finals are on. When you're watching Steph Curry do what he's doing, there's context because you know that he's going to fit in a category of precious few players that have ever transcended the game to this level. How do you know that? Well, because you can compare and contrast players that came before and players that are his modern-day competitors, right? You can look at how does, how does this Warriors team shape up when compared to the 1986 Celtics? How do the, this Boston Celtics team, how do they shape up by way of comparison to the uh, 17-time world champion Celtics teams of the past? Where would you rank them? 
You can only do that because they're all in the same league comparing decade to decade to decade to decade to decade. So what Live Golf has done now is created a situation where just by throwing cash in an effort to sports wash, they have lured some of the best players in the world away, some of whom are, you could argue, on the downside of their career. Phil Mickelson's 51 years old, but 52, I think, uh, starting this week. Um, and, and maybe those guys weren't going to be competitive. But if they're successful in, in drawing over, and I'm just using these guys as an example, doesn't look like they're going to be, but if they were to successfully lure, say, some of the up-and-coming young players that are on tour right now in the midst of forging their careers, say Colin Morikawa, say John Rahm, say guys like that, Will Zalatoris, or, you know, you name it, Brooks Koepka, um, now you have a fracturing of the golf world in a way that doesn't allow us to compare and contrast because the best are no longer playing against the best at that point, and it doesn't mean anything. There's no context to winning a live golf event. It doesn't matter. There's no comparison to anything that happened before. That event in London is a 54-hole event with a shotgun start. It doesn't compare to anything but exhibitions. It doesn't matter. But if you are losing out on the best players in the world competing at the highest levels, well, the tour will suffer. And I don't have to care about the tour. You don't either. What I care about is competition at its finest, the best of the best competing against one another, because it gives me an opportunity to compare and contrast their greatness to People of yesteryear, and they've been able to do that for over 100 years, and that matters. Yeah, that's one of the things just in terms of the product. The shotgun start is so weak because part of winning a tournament is, if you're not coming from behind, sitting on a 54-hole lead or being in the final two groupings and having to wait all day. That's yes. part of the mental challenge. Scotty Scheffler, the story of Scotty Scheffler on Master Sunday. Puking and weeping and saying, I'm not ready to do this. I can't do this. And his wife telling him, you are as prepared as anybody you can. That's, I mean, that doesn't story. happen with a shotgun start. No. Because also, you don't even know who's winning. And you could finish on hole number seven. Right. And by the right. way, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid. The course is not designed <laughs> to do not, that. No, it's not. The whole thing is stupid. It's all stupid. But it also ruins the game for us. And I'm selfish. As a fan, I'd like the ability to compare, say, you know, Colin Morikawa's career to somebody who played in the 70s and 80s. Right, that's the thing that whether... Because they play the same courses. It's a major or not. The best part of watching the PGA Tour on a Sunday, even if you don't give a damn about the tournament... Yeah, that's for, where so-and-so hit this shot to win in 1986. Well, for me, it's here's the final four holes of either a first-time winner right. trying to conquer the Calm nerves. the nerves. You're the conquering deal. yourself. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah, the beauty yeah. of golf is you're always conquering yourself. Yes. The course sometimes will give you a bad break, but it's not as often as you want it to say. After the rounds, oh, over. golfers are filled it's, with excuses. It's mostly ninety sure. percent of the time, ninety-nine percent of the time, it's you, not the course, not the conditions. So, how do you beat yourself and your own fears of success? How I do you love solve that. for I your future. It. Yes, I do too. So, anyhow, how I do think you we solve for your future. Here, here it is. I think we know the answer. Uh, you just don't give world golf ranking points to those who are playing in fifty-four hole events in shotgun starts for the live. And while you can't keep them out of the U.S. Open or the Masters per se, the Masters could, PGA Championship or the other, you, you name it, the Open Championship, for now you can't. You can two and three years down the road, you wait them out because you don't have enough points. Right, You're and not, their exemptions you don't qualify. are gone. Yeah, yeah, your exemptions yeah. are gone. You don't qualify peace. Get the hell up out of here. Now, if you're the Masters, you could just change the rules. They do. 
you can just say, oh, sorry, Phil. I know you've won three times here. You're not invited. Thankfully, the last bastion of uh, morality in America, the Masters, <laughs> can come to the rescue. Oh, here. they're not doing it for moral reasons. They just, just decide we, we, don't, we don't like the cut of your jib. <laughs> We've just decided that you're going to take it on down the road. Ain't that the truth. That's right. Yep. That was you tell him, Fred Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> Probables fired up. Do we have a minute and a half? We do. On the number. Go! Go! It's time for how you say with the peaches. Probables. <laughs> Speeding up the process. Oh, that was well done. All right, I got exact. I think it's a short day at the office here. We got A's Red Sox are in the fourth. It's 3 1 Oakland. That's Paul Blackburn and Rich Hill. Padres Cubs are in the second 2 1 San Diego. Joe Musgrove, Matt Swarmer. Orioles Blue Jays. Tyler Wells, Kevin Gossman. Guardians Rockies. Tristan McKenzie and Chad Cool. Phillies Nats. Zach Wheeler. Patrick Corbin. Rays Yankees. Jalen Beeks, Luis Severino, Rangers, Tigers, Martin Perez, Bo Brisky, Brewers, Mets. Like a Brisky? Aaron Ashby and Taylor McGill. And finally, Angels, Mariners, Shohei Atani and George Kirby. George Kirby just seems like such a doofus. Oh, you see Kirby? I did. George is always here. And that's a look at those that salaries out of the bump. That was impressive. Uh, I got through it, buddy. I forgot about brisky. Yeah. Would you like some brisky? <laughs> I take it to beer. I miss that guy. You think he's still alive? Easily. Yes. That dude's work ethic is going to carry him well into his 80s. I hope he's elevated to uh, the head of the guys that pick up stuff there. Mm-hmm. You got to take it to beer. <laughs> what, what a great day that was. I take it to beer. I take it to beer. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Be well, everybody. Have a great day. We'll talk to you real soon. Like tomorrow on Elevations Friday. Peace.